you're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Wednesday, and in these episodes, Sangram and myself, James Carberry, focus on personal development. We'll share books and other resources that are helping us get a little bit better every single day. And remember, like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. So think about that. If you go in, I, this is this is a hundred percent try. Just over four years of work in the very simple words of team. The reason a lot of us have challenges, and I've seen it over and over again with big APM and just to say APM, is because it felt like it's a marketing initiative. How many of you agree with that? That you've seen in your organization is actually a marketing and sales initiative. Yeah. I'm going to walk through that story. So if you go and say, hey, sales team, let's figure out the right accounts to go after. Let's target them. Don't skip that. Then let's figure out how we engage them. And not that we're going to do two webinars a week, and we're going to do an ebook a month, and we do a direct mail, and we're going to do a whole bunch of things that the marketing does. No. You literally go and say, here are the 50 accounts. If you really do the work, here are the 50 accounts you want to target. And for those 50 accounts, we're going to look at what makes sense for each of those accounts. What I mean by that? You would say, all right, of these 50 accounts, five accounts are in Boston. We're going to do an event over there and do a dinner with them. 10 accounts are in financial services and they're all over the United States. All right? We're going to do a very small one-pager ebook just on financial services and how our company helps them. And we're going to send it to them. We, we have, and let's say there are only 10 accounts that are in different places, but they are all for the same persona. All right, we're going to do a direct mail or a targeted ads to them so that we bring them to our landing page where we can show how we help them. You see where we're going? We're actually taking the idea of like focus on the right accounts and then your engagement will change. If any of us are still just focusing on pure newsletters and emails and all the generic conversations we have to drive revenue, I think it's time to change. It's time to change. So, I would apply the B2B maturity curve using the team framework. I'm sharing with you the stories of four companies that have gone from good to great, and I've seen this work in their organization. And if it doesn't apply to you at any given point, let me know afterwards because I want to know. I can't if, if there is a single use case that is not covered with that with these four stories. I want to know. I'll be very surprised. I've done over 400 interviews on the Flow Monthly Podcast that you can go listen to on the topic of accountants. Been doing this for four years, read countless stories and countless conversations. And these are four really direct examples of how companies are doing, and more importantly, we'll miss this measuring success. Let's start. Let's start with this idea of going from average marketing to great marketing. Seth Godin, who's one of the quotes that you saw in the, in the book promo, you probably saw his quote, which is, we don't live. His whole thought, his whole thing was on the podcast, he said, like, you'd be surprised that we think, everybody thinks that we are in mass market world, but we're not. We actually are in a micro market world. What that means is, if, how many of you are in B2B? Almost everybody. If you're in B2B, and if you don't know your total addressable market, 
you have another more. You do not have an unlimited amount of leads falling from heaven getting into your funnel. It just doesn't work that way. You spend too much time on that. We want the leads in the right account. So when we talk about Target, I want to really challenge all of you to go back into your organization and say, how many accounts do you really think we need to close this month, this quarter, this year? Let's say the answer is 200 accounts. You can say, all right, how do we break these 200 accounts and start focusing on 10, 20, 30 per sales rep? And when you do that, then you start figuring out how do I engage with them. But if you miss the target step, if you stop looking at all of these things as like this is the mass market and everybody could be a customer, we are we're literally spending seconds on it. And that doesn't drive revenue. It goes back to less than 1% turning in customers. So here's a story of a company called Nasergy. They, that story is also in the book. They have no lead problem. I was talking to someone who said, we don't have a lead problem, right? And that's okay. That's great. But probably what you have is a problem that is disconnected and you don't know which leads for your sales team to focus on, right? That is a big challenge because you're spending money on getting those leads, but they're not turning to customers. It's less than 1%, right? So majority of the companies right now that I know of are in this 1.0 stage, which is, I'm going to figure out the top 100 accounts. I'm going to find different marketing sales, who these 100 accounts are, and I'm going to start doing something with them. How many of you are in that stage right now? You just have a pilot program going on uh, with 100, 200 accounts. That's a great place to be, which means that you have moved from status quo to actually figuring out which accounts. It's one of the hardest steps in marketing right now, is to figure out who you are. We all know how to put social media stuff, we all know how to send emails, but we don't know how to figure out the right accounts. It's one of the hardest things to do, but if you do that, I promise you, the rest of the steps will actually make more sense and be easier and you'll have a higher conversion rate as you will see in some of these stories. So the way you went about is that for each of these hundred accounts, we created a very specific ad and a direct mail and an email that was all focused about it. And what they saw by literally stopping on all these 25,000 leads but just focusing on 100, that you can see the numbers from yourself. The sales velocity was rocketing. Pipeline for these hundred accounts was going up. That wasn't because they were doing something different. That was because they just started to focus. And they used to talk every single day what's happening with hundred accounts. They started to look at why is some of these accounts not moving faster than others. The sales, marketing, their CFO, the CRO, they're always meeting on figuring out why tier one account is not faster than tier two and tier three and what can we do. And marketing never came and said, oh, our menu option said, we're going to do webinars, so I can send that email. No. Stop those. Start working on like, what can I do for that particular account? Change that. Change the setup in your organization. And what's even more interesting for them is that when they started seeing some success, their CEO came to them and said, I want you to do this for all the accounts. So if you are struggling to convince your CRO or CMO or, or CEO to do account-based strategies, the best way to do that, that I've seen companies do, is say that, hey, we're going to run an experiment for like five, ten, hundred accounts and see what happens. And when you show results from it, they will come to you and say, how much budget do you need to drive more results like that? Always. The word experimentation is so unique. It's so awesome. You say, I'm going to do a project, and people just get crazy. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. They think that the world is stopping. They say, no, I'm going to just do a simple experiment and see what happens. And people say, oh, that's okay. You can do it. So 
they got an always one thing. And what was interesting, beyond the engagement, look at the NPS score. The NPS score, which is the net promoter score for their target accounts that they focused on, went from 70 to 90%. And they were shocked. And when they did a survey with them, they said, what happened? Why, why did our conversation went so well? They're like, well, because you just focused. This is the problem that we had, and you solved our problem. We didn't know you had all these services. Now we know. So when you focus, it changes the conversation in your organization. All right, let's go to another example. How many of you send newsletters? All right. What will happen if you don't send a newsletter tomorrow? Will anybody call you? Miss your newsletter, Debbie. <laughs> or Sam, I, I don't know what to do because you just didn't give me the most important ingredient I needed for my day. That should tell us something about our marketing at what level it is. Newsletters only work if there's a ton of value packed into it. And more importantly, in our case, if you're really doing strategic, if you're going after 100 accounts or 50 across five accounts, you're probably sending one one email, not a newsletter. Because you know their pain, you know their problem, you know what industry they belong to, you know what kind of conversational words to use in that, and that cannot be in a newsletter. Your newsletter has a completely different purpose, and maybe it's brand awareness, but if you're going after way target accounts, it's very different. So it will be one-to-one -one email that marketing and sales crafts together and sends it to each person in that organization. That will change the game. It will take effort. It will change the game. So this is something I've heard about, which is, you know what, we have an attention span for goldfish. How many people have heard that? Right? I'm like, how do you bench watch like three hours of movie on Netflix? No, dude. It's really that our content sucks. We have to admit that. And we have to change that. But it will only change if you do this one to one as opposed to one to thousand. Here's an example of my model. Awesome company. Jerry was there at the last conference, and again, just love this is recorded on the podcast as well. I was one of the first people to admit when I ran marketing at Cardot and when I went to that position, we were at Salesforce. I was the first person to put a slide with all this sales traffic going up and to the right, which means we're doing great. Up and to the right, and it's going awesome. How many of you show your traffic going up and to the right is a great thing? All of a When they started ABM two years ago, the traffic dropped by 70%. What would that do to your organization? What would that do to you? Would you still have a job? You'd be fired, right? No, I would be. So what happened in their case was they said, how is this possible? Our pipeline is going up, our revenue is going up, but our traffic is dropped by 70%. Something wrong with this. So they dug in, they asked a very important question that we all should ask, which is, so what? So what happened here? So what happened? If we get down to so what? If we have more webinars, people attending, so what? Are they the right people? So they looked at it and what they found that they actually were getting all this crap traffic that they stopped because now every single ad message that they do are to these 500 accounts that matter to them. So they eliminated all of other marketing and advertising and emails and newsletters they used to send. And because every single marketing as an organization was focused on those 500 accounts, they were only getting traffic from those 500 accounts. 
And that was great because the pipeline and revenue was going up. So what's wrong with that, right? So it was fantastic for them, but they could not answer that question on day one. They were shocked that that could be a truth. And the CEO then obviously helped them and figured it out. But in the beginning, they were like, oh my goodness, we are screwed. But they actually have the best marketing plan is in their life. What's even more important is that they had 22 different tools that they were using for their acquisition of customers. And as they went to accounting strategies, they dropped it to six. That's all they're using. They took away all the technologies that they had and they dropped it to just six tools to do account based. So another big thing that may shock some of you guys, and your CFO and CEO will love you, if you ever go back to them that hey, we're gonna drop our cost of acquisition by 16%, how does that sound? They will love you. But they're able to do that purely because they're able to focus on those five ranges. And they're able to answer the really important question, which is so what? So what if our traffic got that? So okay. We actually don't want that traffic. We don't good traffic. It changed everything. Guess what? Jenny got promoted. Like a lot of different things happened in his life since he's been doing really good now. Let me talk about activator. Alright, this is Meg. Uh, Meg is a salesperson at Terminus. She said to me this that I will never forget. She said, My title is an account executive, not lead executive. Stop giving me the leads that I don't want. If you're a salesperson today, if you, ever, if you talk to a salesperson and ask what their title is or look upon them, it's an account executive title. They never have a lead executive title. When marketing gives them leads and you think that they're not focused on it, well, the reason is because it doesn't connect for them. They're focused on accounts. So if you give them leads and the accounts that matter to them, they'll be all over it. And that made me realize, oh, this is not just a buzzword to say account-based. It actually is speaking the language of the people who close deals. So it's important to use an account-based language because that's how your sales team is wired and they focus on it. You will never hire a lead executive. You always have an account executive. So it makes sense to focus on the account things. And if you're not activating the sales team, beyond target, this is the big area where you will fail. Because they're like, all right, we're gonna do targeted campaigns, we do ads, we do pay landing page, and then the sales force has no idea what to do. So here's an example of council writers. How many of you have heard about council writers? Huge company, right? They started with the basic stuff of like marketing. In this case, they're focused on expansion deals. Some of you guys raised your hand when you said that you have more than one product, and so this story is for you. They focused on expansion. Jillian started with 250 accounts and focused on 250 accounts and got everybody involved and saying, We're going to focus on these 250 accounts and we're going to figure out how we expand these deals with all the different things for them. All right? Guess what their win rate is. Go ahead, shout it out. Left copies for you. 50%? 90. 90%? 90. 90. 90. 85. More over here. 2. 2%? 70. Their win rate is 95%. Now I know it doesn't even make sense. So I had Jillian who run that, like, you need to be with me when I say that because people don't think I'm telling the truth. It seems right. It seems wrong. So she actually spoke at the, the Footmarker Conference. And again, her, her, her stories in the books, and we got the legal department to approve by Thompson Writers. I'm like, is this even possible? But it's possible. 
because they're focused, they have their messaging right. So now, this year, this was last year, so this year, they doubled it and say, you're focused on 500 accounts, and you still have to start beating that 95% she now really regrets that she told the story to me, because I'm telling the story to everybody, and every manager or leader wants her to do that again, but not for 500 accounts. The point is this, folks. If you focus the results on there, if you personalize your customers who care, these things happen only if you focus. If that's missing, the rest of it would matter at all. So I urge every one of you, if you're thinking about the standard weekly emails, weekly blogs, or webinars only once a week or twice a week, you're just thinking going through cadences and not putting one-to-one -one messaging out there, it's just not gonna work. I've seen too many failures in that. You would actually go back and say, this doesn't work for you, and I've heard that too. This doesn't work for me. Well, because you're still trying to do this mass market idea with micro-market. Since we're here at Inbound, uh, I'm Brian. Uh, I was looking on our podcast earlier as the CEO of HubSpot, as you all know. And he said something to me that was like, whoa, this is really, really cool. He said, look, great companies create business model innovation and not just product innovation. So I want you all to start thinking about are you going to innovate your business? And the way you innovate your business is change the way you measure success. Because if you measure the same way, nobody else is going to care about that. It's the same old thing. So metrics are going to change. That's the story I'm going to tell with Snowflake. Snowflake is one of the fastest growing company right now in Silicon Valley. They're about to go public in the next year or two. It's a phenomenal company. They have over 15 people in their account-based team. So there are 15 people that title this avian. Think about it, account-based managers. And they are aligned with their sales teams at the field marketing level that every single 15 of them are landed in every single region. So if you're in free marketing, actually accomplish is very easy to you because you're aligned with your sales goals. Very clear, right? So it makes sense. They started with this, an inbound and outbound model, and said, you're going to measure everything. Then last year, they went to this idea of like, I'm going to do 500 one-to-one -one campaigns. And one-to-one -one again, one ad, one person, so another ad for another person, another persona in that company, that takes you to that one landing page, and they're retargeted with not generic ad, another ad very specific to that, with one direct mail that is sent and tracked by their sales team and followed upon with one type of email where the message is consistent with absolutely zero dated content. And the reason it works is because they know exactly who's going to the website. Because that app was created for them and they're targeting them when they come to the website. They're not asking salespeople, like, hey, do you know who came to our website yesterday? No. They're like, hey, dude, just wake up. Your target account came to the website and they spend time on it. Go follow up with them. They're not waiting for somebody to fill out a form. How many of you fill out forms? No, right? People know. Poor guy, I don't know where, like, I put 404444 that number. And somebody gets called all the time. Because I put that phone number all the time, so one day I'm going to call and apologize to this person. The, the reason I've been doing that is because I don't want anybody to call. So most people don't want to put their phone number. So why are asking those things? Right? Why not just get directly to them, track them, and make sure? But you can only, again, do this if you know who you're going after. When they come to your website, you know who they are. That's what it is. So he, Daniel, this is really interesting. This is, this is probably the best thing that I want you guys to take away from this conversation. He said, look, here's what I'm doing right now. 
Two things. Number one, I'm, I'm helping our sales team figure out how many employee accounts to go out. The way he's able to do that is using intent data from Bora and Terminus and lots of other things and figuring out like, all right, we want to grow 100%. We want to go in Boston and, and figure out how to get there. There are only 100 accounts in Boston that we can go after based on what our total investment market looks like. So he knows how many accounts they can go after. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to only have one marketing person aligned. You should probably just hire one salesperson. How many of you in marketing would like to tell them how many salespeople to hire new salespeople? Yeah. Right? And the second thing he did, which I think if, if any one of us could do that, that would be the best thing ever. Which is, he's able to help their sales team with their pipeline issue. Going back to that example, he's able to say, all right, Joe, you have 50 accounts that you think you have closed this month. By the way, every time somebody says that they have closed 50 X number of accounts that month, does that really happen? Right? But that's not their fault. They just don't know, right? They just feel confident, they have some conversations. But then Daniel and his team comes in and says, you know what? those 50 accounts, there are five of these accounts that are spending time on our website and don't these five accounts are. And now, in the last three weeks, they have increased number of people coming to our website and they're doing over to activity. But guess what? Let's create our forecasting on these five accounts, and the other 45 accounts are graded. And if they happen, that's awesome. And the success is phenomenal. So he's helping the sales team to forecast better. Imagine if you can do this, solve that problem for your organization. You figure out how to help your organization. So these stories are of companies where, regardless if you have too many leads like Maestro did, or or where you were in Ramada, where you just focus on a few accounts and you're seeing what happens with them, or you were looking at like Snowflake, where you're able to go and work and have the entire organization aligned one to one for all these accounts. I think you'll find a story that fits for you. And if it doesn't, catch you later on that. And I want to know. I want to know what I'm asking. So when I look at this whole thing, this is one slide that you might not take a picture of, which is the whole curve of B2B maturity that applies to the T framework, which is target, engage, active, and measure. And no matter where you are on this journey, you don't figure out, oh, I need to do better targeting. Next 30 days, let me focus on that. Oh, I'm, I'm not doing well on engagement. My targeting is fine. Then let's just focus on engagement. You don't have to do everything today. Oh, I'm, I'm good, great on engagement, but I'm not activating my sales team. They're not focused on it yet. Just go focus on your sales team, on the activation process for the next 30 days. Let's see, you have all three of them. You know how to target, you know how to engage, you're creating one of my experiences, your sales team is good, but you're not measuring success the right way, like Snowflake is. You focus on that for the next 30 days. I want you all to walk away with what is your next 30 days look like? What does that next 30 days look like for you so that you can improve on it? It doesn't have to be everything. Finally, I want to connect a doctor from parenting and marketing. Going back to the early stage, I think if you're in 1.0, you probably are like, like me and my wife, we're trying to connect on a few things. We want our son to be many activities. But if you're in B2B, that's, and if you're in 1.0 right now, you may have a ton of tools like Jeremy did at Vermont. And that's okay. That's where you are. You're trying to figure out, you're trying to get marketing and sales aligned. But B2B companies, if you want to really plot and figure out if you are a B2B company or not, as a parent, you think mom and dad need to be one, like one team, right? And if you want our son to be any good or any decent in any sport, we're going to give him like a few sports so you can focus on it, right? I think it's the same thing for sales and marketing. 
Give me one team, and let's start using the vocabulary of team as opposed to marketing or sales. Changes the conversation, changes the energy level in your organization. And then you might be surprised, you may not need all the tools in the world. In Jeremy's case, they went from 22 to 6. That's crazy. It changes everything in your organization when it comes to cost of acquisition. So I want to leave you with this one question that I hope you take the time to think, agonize over it, even fight over it with, your, uh, with the folks in your company to figure out. But the answer to that question is if you're going to be good to bread. This is what matters to you. Does it matter that you're targeting the right accounts over emails to everybody? Does it matter that nobody really reads your newsletter sometimes? And you should do one to one? Does it matter that your sales team is not focused on the account that you're creating leads for? If any of these things matter to you, you start focusing on that and seeing where it can change. And I think that's, that's really the key. So figure out the answer to that question, and I think we'll get you on the path. You're going to be great. So again, that's the podcast, and if you haven't text me, I'll send you a book. Thank you so much. evangelist of Tavernus, a leader in account-based marketing, and he's an international speaker and host of the top 50 business podcast called Flip My Funnel, and has been recognized as one of the top 21 B2B influencers in the world by DMN Network and 40 on 40 by DM News. Please help me in welcoming Saigon. was really interesting. I think when you're born in another country, you become an international speaker. <laughs> I think that's why I'm an international speaker. And, and then I think also on the podcast, man, how many of you listen to podcasts? It, it's crazy. So we've been doing this podcast called Flip My Funnel. We'll hear a little bit about that. It has been one of the best things that we've done in a, in a long time because it just creates conversation. So it, it's a really good step. So I want to talk to you today about how to go from good Great. How many of you think you have good marketing in your organization today? Alright? How many of you think you have great marketing? Come on! Right? So I, I feel in many ways, I think we all are on this pursuit often. So I want to start with something that happened um, over the weekend that really sat in my heart. So this is, I did not know I'm gonna do it, I just feel like I need to do this. But a friend of mine, Matt Senator, passed away Friday. Um, you know, he was a friend for prop, you know, old, I can't even count more years. He spoke at every single phenomenal conference we did, did a whole bunch of things. So I want to kind of honor him, and I didn't know I was gonna do this, but we're gonna do this. Uh, I want to honor him and just say that I love you. I want you all to say that with me, we love you. Do that in a way that honors him. So just do a slow clap with swallow along and then do a slow clap. And just think about it as we get towards the end of it. Would you all just say we love you? you do that for me? Alright, let's do it. Just follow along, just get your hands as wide as you can. And just clap for him or my really good friend Matt. Ready to go? One, two, three. 
Guilty bread. How many of you have read the book Guilty Bread? From Jim Collins. It's like one of the phenomenal. So I want to say I did not come up with the Guilty Bread idea, but that book really changed my view. And Jim Collins in this book talked about this idea of like what it takes to go from good to great. And it came down to a single word. Can anybody guess what that word is? I'll give you a free copy of my book right now. Content? Say again? War. Okay. People? Say again? Experience. Flywheel. Alright, that's a good one. Alright, just catch me after the session, the people who answered, I'll give you guys both. He it came down to this one word. Choice. He said greatness is a choice. And it's 100% relative to where you are. So all the people who raised their hand and said that we have good marketing, it might be great marketing for another organization, right? It's all relative. But he said it's a 100% choice. And what I want to do today is do four things. And hold me accountable if I don't do any of these four things. Number one, I want to talk about parenting and marketing. Anybody, any parents here? All right, good. You're going to hate me after this. <laughs> Number two, I want to walk you through one of my favorite frameworks that, that has changed the way I see in board meetings all the time. If you're doing anything around account-based marketing or strategic marketing and sales, you're going to want to take notes on that. It's called the Dean Framework, so we're going to walk through that. Number three, I want to walk through a B2B maturity curve, which is really the way for you to self-assess where you stand on the entire spectrum of good to great. We start with status quo, the good to great. And then finally, I want to share four stories of companies so that you don't just go out and say, oh, yeah, okay, I get the idea. But now I'm going to walk through four stories of four incredible companies that have gone from good to great. Does that sound like a good agenda? All right, so let's, let's, let's walk into it. So, Krish, my son, he's, he's now nine, he's about when he was eight. We ended up spending a month together because my wife and daughter had to go to India for about a month, which is why I'm an international speaker. We've already established that. <laughs> and in those 30 days, I had to make a choice. Am I going to be a status quo dad? Am I going to be a good dad? Or am I going to be a great dad? And my wife gave me very simple instructions. She said, hey, you know what? Just make sure that you don't, you don't go crazy about certain things. I want to have a disclaimer for everybody. Results may vary, so don't try this at home unless you're a responsible adult, who's not me. We tried a few things. We'll walk you through those things, but I remember the feeling we got, and I'll share what that feeling was in a little bit. We talked about this idea of like, make sure that his home safe, secure, feed him so he doesn't go hungry, very basic stuff, right? So I said, you know what, I'm going to watch TV, what should I watch? Eight. Maybe I should be watching like Finding Nemo, some of these other movies, and animated and Moana, one of those things. But I'm a Rocky fan. Anybody Rocky fan over here? So we end up watching the entire series of Rocky. <laughs> and I tell you, in the end, he was like, "April, I love you," and he was just jumping around and walking. And my wife was like, "What happened to you, bro?" So I love the action sequences. Like that's that's yes, that's right. That's what we did. 
we created a bond that I didn't have with him. We bought him, he wasn't suddenly Rocky Four as opposed to Rocky One. It really changed the way we interacted in conversations. Simple. And we're just like, all right, we gotta feed him. Wife said, make sure he gets healthy food, and we said, make sure, yeah, I'm gonna have make sure we have healthy food. So I should have been giving him, you know, healthy food. I did. But then he said, Papa, I want pancakes. I love pancakes. We need more pancakes. All right. One day I got like, you know what? We have pancakes, so many pancakes that you're gonna never ask for it. So we have pancakes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> we make some epic pancakes with strawberries on top of it and all kinds of crazy things, like just layering up over and over again. At the end of the first day, he said, I love you, pancakes are awesome, but I don't want pancake for the next month. <laughs> so if you have an annoying coworker who just wants a ton of things from you, just give them so much that they will stop asking you. <laughs> just uh, I've tried that, it works. Alright, lastly, don't play. Right? We don't play with your son, I was traveling all the time, and I just took those 30 days to just stay home, really work from home, just spend time with him. I said, you know what, what can we do? I like jumping off the planes, I can't do those kind of things, and that's not what I did. So, honestly, I was totally read up, I did not jump off the plane, but I wanted to have that experience with him, and I wanted him to have the experience of just being free and feel what it feels like. Just do something with him that just made an experiential event. So, we, instead of just having Xbox or anything like that, we actually went to this place called Indoor Skydiving. You guys know that? If you've never done that, you've got to do that. It's fantastic. It's pretty safe. Very safe. Very safe. You're inside this whole area, and then they just blow air, and then you start floating. And it's fantastic. And the end of this, this whole journey of me going from making a choice to be intentional with them, making a choice to make sure I want to do, other than being just at school and do the homework and the play, I want to do stuff that is experiential with them. He came to me and said, Papa, I love you. And the way he said, looking into my eyes, I knew he meant it. I think that changed everything for me to just think about what intentional parenting is. So I wanted to kind of take that and apply to marketing because I'm a marketer. So we're going to go through the same password later on in this presentation to go through and look at how do you take this idea of having a choice every single day and make that choice, be intentional about it. Because ultimately, I really truly believe that there's one takeaway from this entire 20 minutes, that it is a choice. You're making it, or you're making it that you don't want to have this with your customers, with your customers. So, I'm gonna give you 30 seconds to share with your neighbor what you think is great marketing. Raise your hand if any of these were your answers. Better experience. Videos. Keep your hand raised. Storytelling. Better interaction. Engagement. Better targeted conversations. All of these things, I just keep seeing more and more people talk about this every single day. But what was interesting is, I, I don't know if you, if you guys follow, follow me on LinkedIn, but I put a post on LinkedIn about a month ago. I said, ADM is dot, dot, dot. Finish this, I'll send you a sneaker. You can see I'm wearing those ADM is, sneakers. And there's over 100,000 views to that, but within a couple of days, and 500 plus comments. 
And what was interesting about it is that they pretty much matched to all of these things. The point is, even in not a tool, it's a strategy, and it's about everything that you have pulling together to create that unique experience for your customer. That's what EBM is. If anybody says that we have a perfect tool that does everything, they're lying. Straight up. If you think about it, email marketing, 2000, it was about email. It, was a, it is a tool. If you think about marketing automation that came about, it's again a tool. If you think about predictive, it's another way to figure out which tool to go after and when to go after. EBM came along change the way you're thinking and we're going to go through examples and framework as I share. That's because it's a strategy and it's going to be a combination of all these things, a better direct mail, and I'm going to share stories specific to like how companies are doing that, a better targeted ad, a better landing page, a better way to not have gated content, all those things. But I was completely taken back by seeing that the responses were not at all one. Like if, you, if I would have put marketing automation dot dot dot, people would have more consistent answer. And ABM is dot dot dot. People have no answer. People have all over the place. So I'm going to share a journey real quick walking before the framework. In 2016, I wrote the first book on accountants marketing. That was fantastic at that time because all I thought about ABM was a better mouse, a better demand generation strategy. Right? As the time went on by 2017, I realized that customers and companies are actually doing pipeline velocity. Because if you have a deal sitting in the pipeline right now, and if you're in marketing, if you're not focused on engaging all the people engaged in that particular deal, then you're not happy your sales team at all. The best strategy of super successful companies that I'm seeing right now is not demand generation. It's actually pipeline velocity. As a matter of fact, I will submit to you that none of you guys actually have a demand generation problem. You all have, we all have, a pipeline problem. If you can convert more of your pipeline to customers, you don't need to generate so much top of the funnel. But most, majority of marketing organizations are not focused on that because they're focused on top funding, that's what they're asked to do, that's what we know how to do better. Partially came out with a stat that says less than 1% of the leads are turning into customers. Let me say it another way. 99% of what you and I create doesn't do shit. <laughs> I mean, that's a study by Forrester. So the question is, are we going to change that or are we just going to focus on better mastery? As we went around this journey in 2018, towards the last late last year, we started seeing a ton of people focused on expansion. How many of you have more than one product that you sell in your organization? Tell me. If you're not focused on expansion strategies using ABM, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to go through an example to share how some companies are doing it, then again you're missing out the revenue. The money, the color of money, last I checked, is still green. So if you go in your organization and say, you know what, we're going to drive revenue, Here's how we're going to do it. We're going to focus on some of the dollars and money on these expansion strategies to drive more sales. They're going to be okay with that. I promise you that. It's just changing. So that's one of the big reasons I end up launching my second book called the ABM's Media. Because I wanted to be the first person to go ahead and say, I said ABM is important, and I want to now say, well, ABM is just better marketing and sales. Two years from now, 
I want to just go on the record saying there is no going to be any ADM. It's going to be just better marketing and sales. It's going to be better storytelling. It's going to be better acceleration. It's going to be better personalization. It's just better things that you want to do in marketing and sales. So ADM, if you're a B2B company, if you don't know what your target audience looks like, and if you're not creating experience just for them, then I'm not sure if you're doing marketing at all. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.